0: Listening to the Testudo
1: Times podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus.
0: Welcome to episode 115 of the Testudo Times podcast, where I guess we're all Carolina Panthers fans now. I'm okay with this, even though it would be a little bit awkward for me. Uh, Thomas, how, what does it feel like to now root for the Carolina Panthers?
2: It feels great to be back to my sixth grade roots. I remember in sixth grade randomly bandwagoning the Panthers for some reason. I guess I really liked D'Angelo Williams.
0: Okay, so what year were you in sixth grade? I'm assuming this was in two thousand eight oh nine? If this was
2: well this was two thousand eight when they were um good. Like good. And they then for, immediately after that they were very bad and then they got the number one pick. Yes. and that pick was Cam Newton, and they've been somewhere between mediocre and Super Bowl-level good since.
1: This is that year was that was the year DeLone became a meme before memes were a thing because of this his awful cool. playoff performance.
0: That's true, and it was against the Arizona Cardinals. So yep. if you're talking about playoff games that didn't actually happen, well, there's, there's one. That was the year the Cardinals hosted the NFC Championship game as a four seed because the Eagles were a six seed and made it. It was also mm-hmm. the year that the Bucks gagged and John Gruden got fired. Seems thematically appropriate now because the Raiders had a terrible draft. Anyway, uh, we say we're all basically Panthers fans now. Now, I have to say I was on the bandwagon first. I'll give you an explanation for why that was in just a second. But we're all basically Panthers fans now because uh, the Panthers have more Maryland players than any other team in the league. They went from one to three over the weekend. And that was not well. The first one was not surprising. The second one, Thomas, I was genuinely surprised by.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, DJ Moore. You know, it's always you just never really know. The Panthers had really as good a chance as anybody. Um, well, you we know, were all sitting a there. Lot and a lot of people thought if they,
0: a lot of people thought if
2: they, if they didn't get him, it was going to be because Dallas took him.
0: Yeah, uh, that's what I was sitting there thinking. They were trying hard to sell the Cowboys drafting a wide receiver.
2: By the way, how how many times in the last couple of years has Dallas like? been really close to taking a position player or, or like a skill position player like a few years ago they were they traded up and everyone thought it was for johnny manziel and it was for uh zach martin i think
0: yeah well i think they won and, that trade
1: yeah
2: yeah but like
0: what you in dallas
2: to they to took this guy <laughs> no nah, but when you wanted calvin ridley or dj moore a wide receiver to replace Des Bryant, you know, I, I understand, you know, being a little disappointed at the time, but Carolina is definitely going to be a good fit, obviously with, um, you know, that's a receiving core that more can make an impact in right away. And he's got a mix you know, he's got a mix of veterans um, to, to help him develop, um, including, you know, Torrey Smith, who was the first guy basically to beat him when he got there. Um, and that's going to be a real good fit. Having Jermaine Carter along helps. Obviously, I think a lot of us were surprised by Jermaine fifth Carter round. getting drafted in the fifth, fifth round. round. I thought, yeah, maybe he goes seventh, um, but you know, I didn't really, I didn't really expect that. It, it might have been that, you know, they heard something that another team was thinking of him. And I mean, I understand if Carolina, you know, really liked him. He's a good player, and I can see why a team would want him, but. 5th round was higher than I would have expected. Um it I mean that's the kind of the round that you you really expect guys to make the team. It's not, you know, he's competing for a spot on the team. It's that's the spot where you're, you know, competing for a spot in the rotation.
0: Absolutely. Now, I was surprised when I heard about this because I had asked a friend who was at the draft about JC Jackson who was not drafted, which I guess we were also mildly surprised by, right? Yeah. Yeah. To see that Jermaine Carter was drafted again, nothing against Jermaine Carter. He was great. But when we were all going through this process, we did not think he was going to be drafted. We thought he'd be a highly touted UDFA, but nothing much more than that. We thought J.C. Jackson had a chance to go in at the background of the draft, right? And then in here. I mean, Carolina has Luke Keekley, obviously, and Thomas Davis, but they got one more year of Thomas Davis. He'll, he'll be a backup, probably. It's not bad. That
1: Carolina no.
2: defense
0: is pretty solid.
2: Yeah, yes. like being the third linebacker in that group is good work if you can get it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Houston, continue.
1: I saw I saw a tweet about how the fact that Carter's 40 was pretty fast for his position really, I guess, elevated him out of the undrafted status. So maybe if he doesn't you know play on defense a lot, he'll be a big special teams guy. So of one more
0: year we actually have special teams in football.
1: That's true.
0: Hey, I can't. I You know what? If a Maryland I mean, player is in the NFL, not going to complain.
1: I mean, there's a guy on the Ravens who's made a career out of being a special teams. Eh? Same with a guy on the Patriots. So if you're paid to, you know, run down the field four or five times a day, can't be that bad.
0: And you're making at least what whatever the NFL minimum is, like $600,000?
1: Yeah, something around there.
0: That puts you in the top 2% of incomers in the United States. I don't think that's a bad way to make a living unless you end up getting your brain knocked out, which would be kind of terrible considering the NFL doesn't really want to pay for those, you know, anyway, regardless of that, uh, the the Panthers now have three Maryland players on their team. Money have one, including the team that I profess to liking very much. Uh, but I mean, now it's everybody's second favorite team. If you really didn't if you really wanted to watch Maryland football players actually succeed at playing on a good football team, you now have to watch the Carolina Panthers, Thomas. That's essentially the lesson we learned over the weekend.
2: Not a bad lesson to learn?
0: Well, I think it's better than rooting for, let's say, if there were three of them on the Cowboys, or in my case, three of them on the Texans.
1: Or the or Browns.
0: Uh I just pity them. I would still root for them. But it's not like I'd actively have to root against them.
1: I mean, I'm a Ravens fan, so you kind of pity them unless you play them.
0: Well, I mean, I, I always have pitied the Browns. I will never not pity the Browns. But as I said, it really, I'm glad that it's not the Cowboys or another team that I dislike that had three Maryland players on it. Caroline is inoffensive to basically everybody. And I could say I was yeah. on the bandwagon first because one of my good friends in college, he was a Panthers fan, and we went to Cornerstone every single Sunday pretty much. So I got on the rooting for Carolina as your second team bandwagon about five years before it actually became a real thing. So it's a hipster thing, even though I wasn't even trying to be a hipster. It doesn't matter, but three Maryland players on. And I would say take DJ Moore in fantasy might not be until like the ninth or 10th round, but I'd still do it considering he'll get targets and he'll make plays because if DJ Moore could do what he did with no quarterbacks, he could do something with Cam Newton. I'm very excited to watch him play. I think it's a great situation for him and, We talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast where Norv Turner was actually working him out personally, having him go through some specific drills. So it seemed pretty obvious that Carolina was interested and it made sense considering they had no receivers otherwise. But congratulations to those guys and all the Maryland players that are now undrafted free agents. J.C. Jackson's with New England. And there are others that I forget the list. Thomas, fill me in because I I know the Jaguars didn't sign any of them. But beyond that.
2: Jaguars uh, invited Derek hayward to minicamp today oh that's interesting yeah the tight end who doesn't catch passes so do let's the back so. yeah so he, he got an invite um chandler burkett got a minicamp invite to arizona uh apparently shane Cockrell got a, one of those to the jets um, oh well, i feel maybe then, have him. and then actual actual be like than- signed undrafted free agents
0: do you think that Shane Cockrell will actually be a better quarterback than Sam Darnold? Because I'd laugh no. hysterically if that. I know it wouldn't be, but it's a funny joke because it's the Jets. Yeah.
2: That would be interesting.
0: Yes. Um, in terms
2: of actual, like, signed undrafted free agents, that's Kingsley Opara and Savon Walker to the Texans and Bears, respectively.
0: Uh-huh. Man, yeah, won't go into the Texans. Oh, well. You know, he'll never play. And Actually, he probably will play because everybody in the Texas defense gets injured at some point. So, Overall, a pretty successful weekend for Maryland football. You could argue it's their most successful weekend in a decade, probably.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Well, they did have three guys drafted, including a second and third rounder two years ago, and then some extra undrafted free agents. Yeah, but so, it is
0: still a first round pick. And for a school like Maryland, having a first round pick is a big deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially a first round pick who was, you know, this three star recruit and made himself into a star
0: especially when that three-star recruit was recruited by Randy Edsel. And let it be known that's probably the last good thing we're going to say about Randy Edsel on this podcast.
1: What about if Ty Johnson just goes off next year?
0: Well, we thought that could happen last year, and it didn't.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I, Maybe I, if there's I, there's
0: a... I even forget that he was recruited by Randy Edsel. He might be one of the last that playing for Maryland football that was recruited
2: by him.
1: This coming yeah. year
2: senior class will be the last.
0: The
1: yeah, last there'll Monday be recently. some, like, fifth-year linemen that are going to be the last, but we'll see.
0: That is one legacy to live. The last Randy Edsel recruited Maryland football players. I wouldn't want to have that be my legacy, but hopefully some Maryland players could actually change that this coming year. So it was a pretty decent weekend for football. For basketball, it was an interesting week. Let's talk about some of the things that happened, and there were a lot of them. We'll talk about uh, a lot of the fun that was the Maryland incoming players. Aaron Wiggins especially, in just a moment. But they missed out on all the grad transfers, Thomas, they were looking at. And then they get a kid from Indiana that no one had basically ever heard of, no offense Trace Ramsey, until when it was announced. And then then I saw what people were saying about it on Twitter and in comment sections, and then I wanted to cry.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is one of those, I don't I think this is a developmental project for Turgeon anyway. Like, I don't think missing on the grad transfers is related to this. Um,
0: well, it's hard to I mean, say t- that you get t- Maryland has had missed. guys
2: like this before.
0: I mean, the, you know, yes. This is Josh Tomajic except from Indiana, not the Canary Islands. I understand that. But when the news comes out that they miss on many of their major grad transfer targets and then this happens right after, it's hard not to link the two together.
2: Yes, although – As I'm saying, I don't think that's the right thing to do, Um, or at least correct. I mean, I guess they're related in terms of scholarship purposes, but, yeah, I mean, it it is unlikely Ramsey will, you know, get a ton of minutes this coming year. If he
0: plays, then some really bad stuff has happened. And that's, again, no offense to him, and I bet he's a great guy, and I hope he's a great basketball player. But if he plays this year, there are some issues.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the understanding. Um, it's kind of like how they redshirted Micah Thomas, who was this raw freak athlete, you know, who was long, and they redshirted him. Well. They redshirted him. I'm pretty. I'm. I've been convinced for you know ever since it happened that he left for academic reasons, because there's no reason you would leave for basketball reasons if you still had four years of eligibility. I um, guess.
0: As good as explanation as
2: any so it's an interesting way to sort of cap off this year's class i don't think they're adding any anyone else from 2018 unless they get this one kid who's a 2019 recruit and turn him into a 2018 recruit which was his original class that's that's a whole process that we'll figure out if if it actually happens
0: and maybe they go back in for more if say someone declares for the draft, which is a nice segue because this happened nine days ago, and it's the category of a Friday news dump because it was so much of a Friday news dump that I didn't even notice it, but Kevin Herter declared for the NBA draft and didn't hire an agent. That surprised me, even though I really shouldn't be surprised by that. I think it's just maybe the timing of it that surprised me, Thomas, but if Bruno Fernando's 50-50... Kevin Hander, Kevin Herter is 75-25 to come back. This is one of those really testing the waters things and maybe setting himself up for something this time next year.
2: It's really 95-5 to come back.
0: I would be surprised if it wasn't like that, but you know what? Stranger things in the NBA have happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, the sort of list of guys who got combine invites is kind of trickling out and... You know, everyone's figuring it out. Um, so far, it doesn't seem like either of them have gotten invited. Um, or at least, it has not been reported that either has been. And about half the names, I think, are out there. So, I mean, if they don't get invited to the Combine, that'll say enough. And they probably won't come, you know, they'll probably just come back. But, you know, that, that all remains to be seen. And if either of them does, it's you know it's going to be another month before we find out where they're going to be playing basketball next year. True,
0: but I don't think that it's – well, for Herter, it's extremely unlikely. For Fernando, if he doesn't get a combine invite, I'd be honestly surprised because with his talents, and we've gone over that before, I'd be honestly a little bit shocked if he didn't get a combine invite. But now that everything has played out, Thomas, do you think the roster movement, besides maybe this kid that's a 2019 that could come back to a 2018 – Uh, class and play next year do you think that they're done beyond this of course accepting that there could be uh draft defections
2: I think they might still try to get a big man because at the moment the only thing resembling a traditional center they have is Schneider herrard who won't be eligible until halfway through the season um obviously having Fernando would change that but even then you kind of would like a backup to him um
0: Josh Temayac and even Bender don't really count.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean they Temayach is a pretty prototypical stretch four. And Bender is kind of like a passing power forward. Neither like if you're playing either of them at center, either you're intentionally going really, really small or something's gone wrong. Or Maryland last season happened. Yeah. Even then, that almost never happened because either Ch- Fernando or Tchaikovsky was pretty much healthy all the time.
0: Well, at least one of them was, but that's but not both yes. of them at the same time, basically. Correct. So that's, again, a little bit like what we may see, hopefully very little of in 2018-19, but it is still possible. And there are also coaching staff changes, too. Uh, well, coaching staff, backroom staff was the phrase you'd use in soccer, and I think it's appropriate here because... Uh, Nima left, which is sad. I think he's an assistant coach now in South Alabama.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those pretty standard, you know, not on the bench role, taken on the bench role. That's a promotion. Yep. Um, Bet Shelby from the women's team uh, is off to North Carolina. I don't know exactly what went into that. I, I'm guessing they just offered more money. Um, Probably. Maybe yeah. Maybe sort of a associate head coach type of position where she's basically number two, and maybe she was three or four at Maryland. I'm not I really sure she, what that dynamics I, were of that.
1: I think she has ties to that area as a Stetson Stetson grad, and I guess going off of you know the new assistant coach role. I mean Sylvia Hatchell's been at North Carolina forever, so you know who knows if she sticks around, she might be. She might get promoted from within if North Carolina does not decide to hire another coach from outside, which would be surprising considering the stature of that university.
0: Well, Stetson is in Florida, not North Carolina, but close enough. We're in a right ballpark. We're in the conference I, that Ireland used to be in.
1: The ACC.
0: Well, Stetson it's in Florida. And Florida's oh, ACC Southern, different. sorry. So, yeah. Yes, you know what I mean. but But close yeah. enough. We're in we're in the geographic right ballpark, so we'll we'll go for that. So there were coaching yeah. changes and the the reaction for Trace Ramsey was a little bit silly, but maybe that's just the way it goes, especially in an off season where everybody's a little bit on edge and a little bit tense about Maryland basketball. But it seems that their class is full, even considering that they still have the seventh best class of twenty eighteen, largely because they have five kids. But a couple of them are really, really good. And, Thomas, you got to see them play in person recently, you and Lamar. And we'd like you to ex- uh, explain what you saw because this was not available to see to anybody for them to see uh, on the Internet, unlike most of these things with high school basketball players. They normally are on the Internet. This one wasn't. But they put on a show, apparently, and you got a taste of what's coming in the fall.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was one when, when we saw three Maryland you know, commits were going to be in this game. Um, this was back when Jalen Smith was on the roster, but he had some sort of real minor injury in the week of practice, and you know, decided a few days before he just wasn't going to play for precautionary reasons. Um, so that was unfortunate, but you know he was still there. Daryl Morsell and Bruno Fernando were there, so they they all took a group picture with the five of them. And honestly, that's a lineup you could run.
0: That does sound but, like a lineup you could actually run.
2: Yeah, I mean that would be Sorrell Smith at the point, Morcell, and then Wiggins, Smith, and Herder and uh, Fernando. So I don't
0: think they want Sorrell Smith running the point in his freshman year, but in theory, no, it's impossible. no,
2: no. So Wiggins, you is, in theory, basketball. Yes, yes. Aaron Wiggins is very good, sir. Aaron Wiggins was. Is it by gonna be like far... this
0: other Wiggins in basketball? <laughs> Sorry. Is it going to be like this other Wiggins that plays basketball at
2: a very high level? No, this one this one can shoot.
0: Oh, okay. Very good. I see what you did there.
2: Um, obviously less of like the explosive type of guy that Andrew Wiggins is, but no relation. Um, I, I know. I don't know. I mean, this was, you know, for a game that wasn't televised or, you know, streaming anywhere. They got a very solid group of players. I think there were three Villanova commits in the game, mm-hmm. um, including Javon Quinterly, who's like a top 15 player in the country. Jalen Smith is a top 15 player, I think. Um, Wiggins was by far the best player on the court. He had 23 points at halftime, finished the game with 30. No one else had more than 21. Um, he was These 13 of 17. star
0: games, I should say, but... You know, if you're the best player in an essentially an all-star game, there's no shame in that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was very clear who, you know, who owned that that court. And that was Aaron Wiggins. He got he filled up, you know, he filled up the basket. He got rebounds. He had blocks. You know, he did a little bit of everything. You know, he knocked down four threes and sort of four from four different types of plays. So it's it's really everything you would want to see from a guy committed to your school in a game like this.
0: And Maryland, they've had some, but just to get a taste of uh, what they could possibly bring is very exciting. You also got to talk to them, I believe. Yeah, that was fun. Um, So what did we learn? Not a ton, but surprising.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the general, you know, we're all excited to be going to Maryland. You know, I talked to a couple of them about how it came together. And I mean, it. None of them had actually talked to Trace Ramsey yet, but um, we're planning on doing that probably over the weekend. So we'll see. I don't know what happened there. Um, It was fun to just basically meet the guys. They're all obviously good kids, see Daryl and Bruno again. And. You know, everybody kind of chummed it up for a little bit.
0: Uh, to, should we draw lines of seeing Bruno Fernando at that event to anything that we should put any remote stock in or no? Or is that just something that I just thought of here because this is what I do?
2: I'll admit to thinking of it, although I don't think it really matters.
0: Oh, I doubt it does too. But I mean, I, so when you mentioned Bruno Fernando being there, I just thought to myself, oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, he yeah, could I mean be, Fernando like us, like even if we went there for a year, he really loves Maryland a lot, so maybe he just wanted to see who could be coming in after him, but even if he declares for the draft and goes full time or not, but i mean I, I i thought that too, so we're not yeah Fernando and
2: Marcel were in this game last year, Fernando was you know he didn't play for injury precautions, so mm-hmm. um, you know, they were kind of just coming back to where they had where they had you know. Started Already at the played.
0: and now we're on a mediocre Big Ten team. Too soon. I know, I know. Okay, speaking of not mediocre Big Ten teams, should we talk about not mediocre Big Ten teams in sports that Maryland is consistently good at? Sounds like fun. I, I'm very much enjoying it. So, Justin, you were at the rivalry. You were at Hopkins in Maryland up in Baltimore. I get to deal with Hopkins in sports that they play that are in D3 where you don't get scholarships. You got to cover a game in which they do get scholarships, and it's a very big deal when Maryland and Hopkins played lacrosse, obviously. I fortunately did not get to call any of those games that I called lacrosse. I wish I had. It was the only thing in Maryland lacrosse that I missed. But you got to, call, uh, get to cover this game, and it was appropriately very nuts.
1: Yeah, it was probably going to be remembered as one of the best games in the history of a long, long rivalry. It was interesting because, you know, they go through the you know interesting notes during the game and you know overtime passes they say you know it's the first time it's gone to double overtime since they played in the 1973 national championship game which I believe was the first NCAA tournament game and they had never played a triple overtime game so that was the first of the rivalry and it was a game where for most of the game I did not I started to get a bad feeling in the fourth quarter when Hopkins took a two-goal lead because that was a game where at one point I think there was no scoring for 26, 25 minutes or so. It was a really long time. So a two-goal lead felt like a five-goal lead, and Maryland just wasn't making the hustle plays. Like Hopkins was winning, you know, key ground balls, running to the end line to cause key turnovers. of Maryland, you know, got a nice goal late with what's now in front of then Connor Kelly finally got his first point of the game and assist Will Snyder on a nice pick play. Both teams had chances and double in the first and second overtime. I mean, Hopkins won the face off their face off guy, just passed the ball along the grass to one of their midfielders or one of the wings on their face off. And he ran and, Sky a shot over the goal and he could have won it 10 seconds in but Maryland eventually wins it in triple overtime in a nuts game great atmosphere homewood field I know I know their rivals it's a lot better venue to watch and take in a lacrosse game than Maryland stadium but overall great game when the team needed to have and hopefully you know bring some energy into what could be a long postseason run
0: well after they lost to Ohio State at home which Thomas we talked down to Ohio State Which was a mistake. I don't think we should do that anymore. But maybe it's rare because we're talking down to Ohio State in a sport that Maryland is clearly better than them at. As opposed to all the other sports we cover on this show in which Maryland is not better than them. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. But they responded well to a loss. And that's not something that Maryland has had to do very often. I think that's only their second loss of the season. And to respond in that game in a situation where I think they weren't locked into being the number one seed in the Big Ten before that until they they are now. Yeah,
1: they are now. That was the battle for the Big Ten title.
0: So, and that makes these games even more fun. Yeah. So, properly insane game. Always good to see Maryland winning those. And triple overtime is good. You don't get many games going to triple overtime, even in lacrosse. Even in a game where no one scores that often. It's it's 8-7. Triple overtime is a tight, contested game. Uh, Defensive struggle. And also, Thomas, the women's team... Well, I don't think there's any shock that they're the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, but they are.
2: Yeah, they just kind of steamrolled through the Big Ten again. Big Ten in the in the women's game isn't quite as deep as it is in the men's game. Well, you see,
0: the men's um, game, yeah. it's funny because they have six teams in the men's Big Ten in lacrosse, and in the women's game, they have, what, nine or something like that? I don't remember the exact I think number.
2: it might just be seven.
1: Yeah, I think it's seven because Northwestern, Northwestern is the only Western one has. that has women's. Northwestern has
2: this powerhouse program that's, like, the only other one besides Maryland to win, like, multiple titles. And Maryland just steamrolls everybody because that's what they do.
1: Yep. Except if you're North Carolina. Then they give you a game.
0: This is true. Well, that's one of those things.
1: Carolina's rolling because they just gave Boston College their first loss this past weekend. So, of course, Maryland and North Carolina seem to be peaking at the right time.
2: So and that leaves. Stony Brook is though. Stony Brook? Is Stony Brook still unbeaten?
1: Yeah, yeah, they are. Probably not going to be the top seed in the tournament though, just because of the conference they play in.
2: I mean, and that's what leaves you know, kind of an interesting, you know, weekend up Because if Stony Brook's yeah. unbeaten, but Maryland's won like sixteen in a row. You know how do you, and and won the Big Ten, and oh, Boston he- College has one loss and has the ACC win. Like if all that yeah. happens, you know who you know how do you order them? well that's going to be for the committee to decide
1: the acc tournament was this past weekend so both unc and boston college are over and the unc win was in the acc tournament final right so what i think this is what i think is going to happen and it's going to be really crazy when it does i think if maryland you know wins their two games in the big 10 they'll get the top seed in the tournament and i feel like because I don't think they're going to drop Stony Brook below four, but I think that's where they're going to end up. And maryland Stony Brook, which could be a national championship game, is probably going to be a Final Four game at Stony Brook if the bracket holds. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. I don't know how you know the lacrosse selection committee does it. I know RPI is a big thing. But if that happens, that would be insane.
0: It would be insane, and I'll, I'll go off of what you say, because I would have absolutely no clue. <laughs> I have to be honest. And for the Maryland men, uh, they're number one in the Big Ten. They are not number one in the country, because when they lost to Ohio State, that knocked them out. And then I think Albany, who doesn't have their best player, got smoked by Yale, if I'm correct yeah. reading all the articles, which I did to catch up, of course. Uh, so, Justin, where does Maryland stand in terms of if they win the Big Ten again, which is possible? Uh, maybe, I wouldn't say likely, because John Hopkins could want revenge, but what's the likelihood of uh, Maryland being seeded pretty highly, maybe joining the women at number one?
1: I would be, if if they win the Big Ten tournament, they're probably locked into a at least a top two seed. It depends on how they compare with Duke, because I think Maryland's... I looked at this last night. They have more wins in the top... RPI top 20 than Duke. But Duke, I think, has four wins against the RPI top 10 compared to Maryland's two. So it depends on where that stacks up. If they lose to Rutgers, I don't think don't, they don't drop any... do
0: suggest such a thing.
1: Look, it's interesting with the Big Ten tournament because you have Maryland, Rutgers, and Hopkins, Ohio State, and Rutgers and Ohio State are basically playing to keep their season alive. They're squarely on the bubble of making the NCA tournament. So it creates that interesting dynamic. And the fact that Rutgers has been close the past two times they've played them, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. And I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. I think Maryland will win. But if Rutgers won, it, it wouldn't shock me.
0: And the tournament is in – where is the tournament this year? Because it used to be in it's, Maryland all the time, and it's not –
1: Um, they're switching, they're going through each, uh, school every year, so this year it's in Ann Arbor, which just opened up a new lacrosse facility, but Michigan is not in the Big Ten tournament, so there will probably be no one there. Awkward. Yeah.
0: Weird. Maryland lost to the semifinals the year I covered it, writing-wise, and then the year that I was calling games that was at, uh, Homewood, it was in Baltimore, and I didn't go, so... That's a little bit of personal history for me that you don't really care about at all. Uh, Now let's talk, Thomas, sadly about baseball and softball, and things are not so good there.
2: Baseball did win two games in a row this weekend.
0: That's amazing. So, in
2: fairness. Um,
0: Well, after they had lost what, like six or seven in a row or something like that? Or won one of eight?
2: Yeah, I mean, they had a six-game losing streak, and then they won a midweek game. And then they lost another one. Fun. I mean, they had a seven-game Big Ten losing streak, I think, at one point, or six or seven. Um, how, how does
0: it work in the Big Ten? I know it's double elimination, but is it was what is it? Eight teams make it, or how many teams make it?
2: Yeah, baseball, it's eight. Okay,
0: and where is Maryland in the standings?
2: I actually haven't checked this. This was something I was going to check probably this week.
0: Well, you can check um, it now because I mentioned it. We're good at vamping, so uh, it, it just hasn't been. Yeah,
2: I mean, well. I. I actually looked at softball yesterday, and they're 10th, and top 12 make it. Oh, so they'll make it. So, That's good. Yeah, so they will make it for the first time in a couple years. That's They made fantastic. it their first year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maryland baseball is also 10th in the Big Ten.
0: And that means they won't make which it. Which
2: has 13 teams, which they have a chance, but they will have to win more games.
0: Okay, who is below yeah, them are, in the Big Ten out of curiosity?
2: I believe there are, what, two or three more weekends of games?
1: Yeah, they, they play Nebraska this weekend, who is also having a disappointing year, so that'll be a big series.
0: So who is below them in the Big Ten standings, I'm curious to ask.
1: Nebraska, Nebraska
0: Northwestern, and Penn State.
1: Well, Not Penn State, State th- being
0: below them is fantastic, but beyond that,
2: I, I yeah. don't know. That's it. Those are the three teams.
0: Yeah, well, hey, that means there are three teams below Maryland. They're not last. I'll take and the
2: other team with a losing record is Rutgers, who's 6-9. and nine.
0: Is that nice? Does that count?
2: Oh, it would be nice if they were behind Maryland, but it we'll give be it to definitely
0: you. Definitely true. Uh, anything about sp- baseball and softball you want to specifically want to mention, guys, before we move it on?
2: This is the last softball regular season weekend, and mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure they're, like, set for the Big Ten tournament, Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, seeding. I think they can maybe get as high as seventh. Is
0: it double elimination? I would think it would be.
2: The softball? I don't think so.
1: I've never had – we've never had to worry about it, so who knows. (laughs) We'll figure it out. I don't imagine them them getting far anyway.
0: Well, since all the baseball tournaments are double elimination and I had to figure those out, in the, well, when Maryland was getting close to winning these tournaments, I had to figure it out. It was complicated. And now, I, I don't know. I've never, as you said we've never had to deal with it with softball. So, anyway. Uh, finally, I think this will be the last thing we need to mention, but I may have forgotten other things as well. But, Thomas, a uh, search firm has been hired to conduct the search for Maryland's athletic director. An interested group of people are conducting search. Gary Williams is not on that panel. Neither is Kevin Plank. Those are the two things I noticed. But beyond that, uh, since we're all into reading tea leaves, what do the tea leaves say about this search committee and what it might mean for Maryland's athletic director search?
2: Yeah, so the, there are, I don't know if it's complaints or if it's just, you know, objective observations, maybe a little bit of both, Um, you know, the committee, so there's this, there's the firm, which is, you know, going to be in charge of scheduling and, you know, identifying some candidates and then the committee is going to decide what to do. You know, the committee does not include really anyone with serious Maryland ties. You know, it's people who work at the school, but not, you know, a lot of them, I don't think any of them went to Maryland. So some people are a little turned off by that. A lot of people really want the athletic director to have Maryland ties. It is the kind of committee that you might put together if you want people. It, it it's a group of people that seems to support Damon Evans. So when I when I saw that and you know read a little bit about it, the it makes it seem a little more likely that Evans has the inside track for the job. But I think it's still too early in the process to conclude that
0: and that's reading the tea leaves i haven't even looked at the entire list but there were some there was somebody from the physics department on there and i have no idea what any of it means other than the fact that kevin plank and gary williams weren't on it and that seemed a little bit strange to me but
1: i I don't don't read the tea leaves in that
0: way about maryland things as much as i would with other sports but It's an interesting combination for a committee, based on what I've been reading. Uh, anything else that we missed?
2: Not that I can really think of.
1: What about Maryland athletics playing against all the club sports? That's a fun thing to end on. Okay. I don't know, the basketball team played against club... It was either baseball or softball, and Kevin Herter used to play baseball in high school. Flung his bat, let go of his bat, made it for a good Twitter moment.
0: Okay. Oh, I call it and then he hit game. sixth over the weekend. That's cool. Well I called a baseball game in which somebody after a four pitch walk bat flipped and hit somebody in their own dugout. That was interesting.
2: Oh that's incredible. It was that's I, incredible. The
0: problem was the problem was though, I don't think the camera caught the moment. Don't think the announcement me caught the moment much either, but I was told about it afterwards. But I'm hoping the camera caught it and it didn't. But it was very funny. So, that, that happened over the weekend. That was enjoyable. Uh, so, when we, next we meet, we'll hopefully be celebrating Maryland being number one seeds in both lacrosse tournaments. And hopefully, Maryland baseball will be back on track. Because we're already in May now, and we don't have much longer before we know the finality of the basketball roster for 2018. So, that situation is getting closer and closer to being solved, and maybe we'll know more about the athletic director search. But it was, overall, not a bad time to be a Maryland fan when... You see a Turp getting drafted in the first round and by a team that's relatively inoffensive to everybody. That's always good. And I don't know. We enjoyed it. I enjoyed the draft. I enjoy it when Maryland players get drafted. I enjoy it when Maryland players get drafted by teams that I'm already somewhat partial to. And I enjoy it when uh, Maryland players do not get drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Always fun. That is very good. And I must say, what was the best part of the draft weekend there's a lot of good parts about the draft weekend, but David Akers having a meltdown on stage was very entertaining.
1: Oh, that was that was incredible.
0: I I I only wish. See, the Jaguars had one of their, their former center come out to announce one of their picks, and I'm sitting there watching him announce our third round pick, R, the Jaguars third round pick. I'm too much of a Jaguars fan to forget to. The, you shouldn't use we and R when talking in this context, but. It's just like it's one of the Jaguars' former centers coming on, and I can imagine nobody in the crowd having any idea who he is and then seeing David Akers, I mean, the kicker for the Eagles for many, many years, going absolutely ape over uh, the Cowboys haven't had any players, the, the, these guys have been, weren't even alive when the Cowboys last made the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. It was really entertaining, and I laughed more than I probably should have. So that was nice. And, uh, oh, Ravens fans, Lamar Jackson, what do y'all think?
1: Um, I'm slightly on board. I mean, why not? Like, I'm not not too too mad about it. He's not. I I go with the joke now to say he is because he's not, which makes it more funny. But, I mean, it's good. He should have the chance to learn for a year. I think he can be a dynamic player in the league if they build the right offense around him and teach him to slide. This is true. Could be, a, lot could be a, good yes. a lot of Jaguars fans
0: wanted them. A lot of Jaguars fans wanted them. I'll say that.
1: I just, I just commend Ozzy Newton for trading up to get him, and then still figuring out a way to tie a record for most picks by the Ravens in a draft. So he's really he did good his at the usual drafting thing. He did his usual draft wizardry. He hasn't hit on as many picks recently, but I think he did some good stuff in this one. Uh,
0: the Jaguars drafted 29th. It was 11-something at night, and ESPN didn't go to a commercial before the Jaguars went to pick. Good enough for me. Hopefully you enjoyed everything that went on, and otherwise, eh, it's going to be fine with basketball. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it at least until we get to October. Then you can worry about it. Uh, enjoy Ooh. lacrosse tournaments and everything else going on in the World of Barrel Sports. But until then, of course, until you next week, will